2: It helps expose the lies of the capitalist press and puts the voices of the marginalised and the oppressed at the centre of fighting for a better world and helps us understand the political developments unfolding around us.
0: Good morning, listeners. You are listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. And you are joined today by presenter Jacob Um, and we will have our co-presenter Chloe coming into the studio shortly just running a bit late but I guess to kind of start off um we're very happy to be back live to air and I hope that everyone had had a good break um, over the holidays and that now we're going to get ready for I guess another year of struggle against injustice and in fact you know Green Left generally has I guess a proud record of You know, we, we generally want to kind of engage with all the kind of different sort of, with the protest movements, all the movements for change in the kind of fight for a kind of better world. Now, before I get started, um, and we also are joined by a guest, another guest in our, um, in our studio today, um, um, Sukwa, who, um, is a member of the Socialist Party of Malaysia. Um, she's, um, just recent, she's been in town as a guest for the social Alliance National Conference that happened recently, and so we're going to be having a bit of a discussion with her later, um, doing a bit of an interview with her um, later on to you know, discuss the kind of political situation in Malaysia. Um, so, yeah, um, Sukhoi, feel free to say good morning to the listeners, if you like.
2: Hi, and good morning to all the listeners. We're happy to be here.
0: Yeah, and we're very happy to have you. Um, now, before... Most importantly, especially in the lead-up to um, Invasion Day, which will be happening next Thursday, I'd like to acknowledge that FreeCR today is being broadcast to you from the Wurundjeri land of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to acknowledge that this always was, um, always will be Aboriginal land and that sovereignty was never ceded. And that FreeCR and Green Left Radio um, is committed to um, the fight back um, for Aboriginal rights and we will always, you know, have our our programme and Green Left Radio and Green Left will always be, you know, always be in in support of um, of of the Aboriginal sovereignty. Okay. So um, I might just go before I guess we get into some um, some news that I want to sort of highlight, um I like to go and um, and go play a bit of a quick announcement. You're listening to Green Left Radio, FreeCR 855 AM.
4: The revolution in Rojava is a beacon of hope for the world. Putting direct democracy and feminism into practice on a broad scale. This radical attempt at social transformation now faces huge challenges, including daily attacks by the Turkish military with little outside recognition or aid. Show your support for Rojava by joining Northeast Syria Solidarity, or N-E-S-S, NES, and help ensure the survival of this inspiring experiment in social change. NES sends aid, raises awareness, and builds Solidarity. Get involved at www.nessolidarity.org.au. Ness is a 3CR supporter.
0: All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM. And now, for our first kind of bit of news, um, I wanted to kind of start a bit of a guess, a bit of a discussion, drawing on an article um, from Peter Boyle. Um, which is actually printed in Green Left, um, titled Invasion Day 2023, Struggles for First Nations, Justice and Sovereignty Continues. Now, I guess a few kind of important kind of points to kind of draw out of this article, that, um, that, and you can read it up on Green Left, is coming into the kind of new year, the ALP government is essentially, it is basically making a big push um, around around getting an, around basically a big push, um, to get an Aboriginal voice for Parliament. And this is kind of, this is kind of being described as the voice. And very much, I guess, the idea around, around this, around this Aboriginal voice to Parliament is they are basically wanting. It's basically going to be a bit of a gesture towards um, the First Nations community, uh, especially for especially within colonial kind of Australia. They are attempting to kind of uh, attempting to kind of att- to kind of address the kind of lack of representation um, of of Aboriginal people within 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 the kind of political affairs of so-called Australia. Now and. Probably one of the other elements of of this is that the Albanese government, and of course they is is pushing this through a a referendum, and of course this will be a referendum that will be put to a a vote um, that the major that the major. Okay, I'll be sorry. I might I might have to just hold. Wait, just wait. Let me wait.
2: Donations to TransFamily are tax-deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. TransFamily
0: is a 3CR supporter. All right. All right. So, um, apologies to, um, to that, um, that listeners. Um, we now have our co-presenter, Chloe, who's just getting, um, ready to be in the studio. Um, now, um, I was just starting to, um, just to get Chloe, I guess, up to speed. Um, I was starting a bit of a discussion, um, drawing get around Invasion Day. And in fact, there's actually another comment I want to kind of make about Invasion Day, actually even drawing on an experience, um, the experience of my partner at her workplace. But it's, I've also just noticed it's also being reported in the age. Um, but I'll talk a bit more about that later.
4: Well, good morning, Jacob and, and, and and listeners. It's good to be back in the studio. Sorry I was a bit late because I'm going to blame the rail works. <laughs> For that, um, took me a bit of a long time to get, get here. But yeah, Jacob, go ahead and tell us about your. Oh, experience. yeah. Well,
0: I mean, um, basically, we'll, well, I just started a bit of a discussion because I think one of the things, I think the important thing to kind of start the program off with is actually starting off a bit of a kind of discussion about Aboriginal rights, mm. especially with Invasion Day coming up next Thursday at 11am outside the Parliament House. Um, and, um, and of course the big, the push, um, from the government around this voice to Parliament. Now, I think a few questions have to be raised, and this is drawing a bit on some of the arguments that Peter raises about this. Now, there has been a history of, of, of the government kind of, um, you know, establishing, you know, a lot of kind of consultative kind of, kind of bodies. Now, I think a lot of Aboriginal activists are, I guess, rightfully critical of, of this voice department proposal because I guess a few things. The one, one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the kind of elements of the voice is the voice as it stands right now, although it's very vague in terms of the kind of information that's being presented, it is, it is basically, even if the, even if the voice is established through a successful referendum, which is going to be put to the vote um, later this year, it is still it is got to be still within the, um, within, within the, the parliament, to, um, that will be given the power to make, um, laws with respect to the composition, functions, power and procedure, um, procedures of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island voice. Um, in fact, so the only thing we are essentially voting for is the very existence of, of, of the body, um, which in a sense, it doesn't really have, it doesn't really have any sort of binding kind of impact. And, you know, for a lot of, Aboriginal activists, you know, given the whole context of denial, denial of sovereignty and, and all the kind of issues that First Nations people, uh, are facing on a daily basis. And also the fact that Australia, um, so-called Australia has never, has never formally signed a treaty, um, um, with it, uh, with its First Nations people. And, and I think there's also, The fact is, when it comes to these kind of consultative kind of bodies, even when they've established them in the past, and they're putting putting forward a particular political perspective, historic history kind of shows that you know both the Albany, both Labor and Liberal governments. Consistently act against these, against uh, against um, the suggestions and the recommendations of such bodies, and of course they generally and they generally kind of have been utilised to demobilise movements for change. Um, mm. So yeah, those are sort of my some of my initial kind of comments on the voice. I mean,
4: yeah, there's no point setting up these decision bodies if um, and you know filling people with with hope that things are going to change. If anything, things have gotten worse. Um, if the government doesn't actually um, end up, like, fully committing to implementing some of the, the recommendations. Um, like, for instance, we haven't seen all of the 30, 339 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal debts, um, in custody being implemented. I mean, what, what's happened to that? It's been almost 30 years and there have been 516 um, First Nations debts in custody since that Royal Commission. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have, we do have Invasion Day coming up soon on the 26th. And, you know, like you were saying, it is a time hopefully when people are thinking more about how we can support Indigenous rights. And this voice to Parliament, even though it is important to support it, it is modest. Um, and we will be, you know, it's, it just seems like another token gesture, unless the government is also forced by a strong independent movement for real First Nations justice. Um, yeah, and if you think about like things like, you know, the fact that Indigenous Australians are, you know, very overrepresented in the homelessness um, population, it's it's very appalling. Flooding in the northern regions in February last year displaced many Indigenous communities and, you know, First Nations people are still homeless from that event. And then when you think about the coal and gas industry and what they're doing, um, you know, to their land, they're increasing the likelihood of, you know, things like this happening.
0: Yeah and um I think the other thing as well I mean I I would say my my uh, my perspective okay based on I guess some of the the information I guess I've presented the arguments around the voice I mean I I will um it, when it comes to a referendum I will vote yes mm. um but I mean I don't even think that <laughs> I I'm not convinced that actually this will mean much in terms of in terms of change I actually think I don't I I definitely kind of disagree with the kind of I think what is very much the propaganda coming from the Labor Party, where they're basically trying to overhype this as like some big, incredible gra- um, breakthrough for Aboriginal rights. I do not think the Voice Parliament will um, will represent that at all. And I think that, on the other hand, I think that, on uh, uh, my perspective, as I think that left wing people and progressives, I think we will have to vote yes, but even begrudgingly, we might will have to vote yes because I just think that what is quite clear is the no campaign um is going to be is going to involve elements of the worst of the right who are going to basically attempt to turn this into a really racist campaign and so i think that you know we very much need to counter that racist campaign but i also think there needs to be a kind of balance in a sense we need to basically achieve a kind of balance that doesn't give in to the kind of hype that the government that the, the ALP government is putting around this voice to parliament proposal but also we also need to be also countering the kind of racist campaign that's going to be outing, coming from the right simultaneously and I think that's generally sort of my sort of mm-hmm. position um I I respect that there are a lot of militant um first nation voices that are also co- um that are that are are opposing the voice proposal on the basis that it's not going to bring any meaningful change. Some of these same militant Aboriginal voices are basically making the argument. Well, why isn't the government talking about sovereignty? Why isn't the government talking about treaty? Why isn't the mm. government, you know, talking about measures to address, um, black deaths in custody, um, the incarceration rate of, of Aboriginal people? Um, you know, or, those are all the kind of come kind of central. And of course, probably one of the other fundamental issues which is why it's actually <laughs> why this um, voice to parliament is like comes off as quite tokenistic is there's obviously the question of mining mining mm-hmm. um the fact that um my um frequently a lot of mining companies come into you know sacred kind of aboriginal kind of land within so-called australia and you know let's say that there was a particular aboriginal community that oppose and of course they are many campaigns going on right now of of opposing gas hubs led by aboriginal activists and and um and mining um you know if if a, if if a bot, if if this body um from the, uh, that's established through the Aboriginal voice department, you know, makes a recommendation that they don't want this mine to be built. There's actually nothing that actually binds the government to actually do anything. Um, in fact, the only thing that will probably bind the government to do anything is actually the same thing that it's always been, which is mass protests. Um, and yeah, so I think there's, there's, I think a lot to be critical about in terms of this voice department. Um, and I think, you know, I think, but I do think we're going to, I think over the, over the course of the year, I think we're going to definitely have a lot of discussion with it and we'll hopefully, um, hear from some different Aboriginal activists about their sort of differing perspectives on the voice of Parliament and the issues, um, affecting Aboriginal people. Now, I just want to go, just to, um, before, um, before we play a bit of an announcement, um, and do, um, go into interviewing, um, um, Sukwa, um, I wanted to just co I just wanted to bring up this news story that actually appeared in in the age um, um which is kind of, I guess around um, invasion day so it's a bit interesting so this is a bit of an interesting kind of development, but basically because of the because of how massive the kind of protests have been around invasion day, there is now a much more increased support for the idea of not recognizing australia day mm. it's now actually now. This is, I think this, I think we should actually acknowledge this is a bit of a shift. The fact that, the fact that you can, um, the fact that January 26 is now considered a controversial day, um, is actually kind of a very positive thing. Um, it's kind of indicating that the big sort of movement, the big the massive kind of Aboriginal rights movement, and also it's working, is actually wow. having a big impact. Now, it's kind of, it's it's interesting to kind of observe that, um. How some bosses of of different workplaces are kind of responding to yeah, this? Like
4: Woolworths and banks and
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, what's kind of interesting is you 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 are having bosses and companies starting to acknowledge the controversy of um, Australia Day. Now, but here's the kind of contradiction: Australia Day is in itself a public holiday. Um, yeah. Um, and so, in a sense, okay. Now. I'm all for public holidays at the end of the day, but I mean the fact that uh, I think it's quite disgraceful that we have a public holiday for a day that essentially represents invasion and dispossession of um, First Nations people. Now it's interesting to note that companies are starting to are acknowledging this, and so what is their kind of solution to this? Now a lot of workplaces are basically, and this is, has been reported into the Age, and I'll, I'll link to the article when when it's um, when we when we podcast this. Um, but basically, it was reported to the Age this morning that essentially uh, companies are kind of opting for giving workers the choice on whether they want to work on um, work on this day or take uh, leave on an alternative yeah. holiday.
4: But still the same. It's the they're still celebrating, you know, so-called Australia Day, even if they do shift, even if they do opt to work on a different day. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. <laughs> And
0: and in fact, actually, possibly the most, if if these workplaces wanted to do something radical in support of mm. of um, of Australia Day, well, what they could uh, in support of um in against invasion against Australia Day, you know, the actual best thing they could do is actually just let their workers take the day off work <laughs> and just encourage them to go to the invasion day protests, that and then with full pay. <laughs> that's yeah. that's, um, that's very much the most radical thing or. Mm.
4: And pay them for it as well. uh,
0: That could be the thing that they could do to show their, to acknowledge the the day itself. But no, they're sort of, a lot of companies, and I think you mentioned Woolworths, they're attempting to take a wishy-washy approach where they're sort of acknowledging the controversy. The
4: the sensitivity. People might be very sensitive on this day, and, you know, if it's upsetting to you, then you don't have to come, you know, then you can, you you can still come to work and and work. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, celebrate. Well, not celebrate, but you don't have to, you know, like, you know, you don't have to actually take the public holiday. You can you can shift it. They're actually giving workers the option of taking their public holiday on a different day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, but but but
0: it's all of my. It's yeah. almost like yeah, they got they're going for the the worst the worst possible kind of thing that they could be doing rather than actually just acknowledging this is a day of invasion.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, take the day off because it's a public holiday anyway, but go to the protest. I think that that would be the most sensible thing that any boss should, um, should be doing. But I just think it's a bit, it's a bit of a funny thing yeah. and, um, a funny note. And I also think it's just, it's, it's, it's acknowledging the fact that this mass movement is having an impact on broader society and it's posing lots of kind of questions. And I think, you know, there could be also be scope for, for workers and unions, um, to actually, you know, push things a bit more forward and actually yeah, even push for the idea that, well, if your, if your workplace is open on January 26th, well, you can just shut down the workplace, pay your workers and just make an encouragement to go to the invasion day protests. All right. Now I will go play a quick announcement and maybe we'll move on um, to an, um, to the interview, um, to interviewing our, our, our guests, um, here in the program. You're listening to Green Left Radio, free CR 855 AM. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR's a bloody good place to start. What your
3: name is, we got the hand. Lots of changes, we need more brothers.
0: All right. You're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. And so we're just, me and Chloe, were just having a bit of a kind of discussion about Invasion Day and having a bit of a critical discussion on the voice department. I'm drawing on the pages of Green Left. Now for the next, um, so I mentioned that we have Su Sukwa, um, who is a member of the Socialist Party of Malaysia, um, and is also formerly, I think, the, treasurer of the organization as well. And she's in our studio, um, right now, and we'll get to kind of have a, um, start a bit of, a, um, to have a bit of a kind of discussion with her, talking, I guess, a bit about the current political situation, guess, unfolding in Malaysia from the Socialist Party of Malaysia's kind of perspective. So good morning, um, Sukwa.
2: Hey good morning, Jacobs and koyi hi and the listeners
0: all right um so um yeah, so first off you know welcome to um welcome to um free CR and um I think free cr is very happy um to have you and and in fact i'll just make also acknowledgment that historically we actually have had other socialist Party of Malaysia comrades um in this studio before um in fact, I think there was a number of years ago we actually had um um, two of your other comrades who are in this studio and then we've also played and then we but we've also done interviews with um, remote interviews with um, some of the activists including Arul um, and then there's also been some other interviews that because Green Left has actually been produced a number of interviews for, with, um, Socialist Party Malaysia comrades discussing Malaysian politics. We've also played those interviews on, on our program over the years as well. So, yeah, we're, we're very happy to have you actually in the studio as well this time. Um, and I guess maybe to kind of start off, I guess, a bit of kind of discussion. Um, so for our listeners, um, Malaysia, um, now has a new, a new government under Prime Minister, um, Um, under Prime Minister Anwar Abraham. And of course, he was best, um, he was best known and as a previously imprisoned, previously imprisoned leader of the Reformasa movement. And can you guess, give us a bit, I mean, for our listeners, can you give us a bit of a political background to this government?
2: Yeah, actually, I'm not sure how closely um, Australian following Malaysia politics, but uh, I guess a lot of people actually uh, know who is Anwar because he's quite a po- um, prominent figure in the international politics. So actually, um, I think uh, this election is, uh, for a lot of people, it seems uh, a bit exciting. <laughs> so a lot of media actually have... Um, Categorize it as a decades-long um, way because uh, Anwar it, it took Anwar almost thirty years since uh, and nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, uh, he was the minister, deputy, uh, deputy minister of Malaysia in the nineties, and also the once the finance minister. Um, he was, um, but because of his removal, so uh, it it sparked a reformacy movement, and also later um, uh, have give birth to the uh, Justice Party. So um, at this time, uh, when I actually many years ago, when Anwar was jailed due to the sodomy um, allegation, so PKL has once a single seat opposition party. So. Um, the most significant things is uh, maybe it's a tsunami in 2008 actually uh, and very a very in, important turning point so where the opposition party was given a chance to form government in five states out of 13 state in Malaysia so since then actually um, they have been seen as um, um, government evading and alternative um, that uh appealing to uh, a lot of Malaysian. But um, we also see a lot of um, backstaping and also splitting around, um, among the opposition um, party. That's why uh, it actually took quite long for them to recover from all this and a lot of reorganisation among the uh, um, among the parties, even adopting, uh, absorbing absorbing ma as um the prime minister candidate in the last election so do um pick pe- uh this time is um the Pakatan uh rakyat is second time elected as a government uh but this is the first time i was given a chance to lead uh the regime hmm.
4: yeah thanks um so, Sukhwar, what can you tell us what the PSM, the Socialist Party of, of Malaysia's relationship with this new government is and maybe also give us a political characterisation of the new government? Mm,
2: actually, uh, PSM was founded in 1998, uh, even before uh, the, um, the reformacy movement. Uh, so, but it took us 10 years' uh, struggle to actually register our party. So prior to our registration, uh, we were working with, uh, opposition, li- uh, opposition's, um, party. So, uh, we once, our, our activists once, uh, uh, elected, uh, as, uh, opposition, um, uh, as an opposition, um, uh, MP, uh, in the parliament, uh, uh, in Sungai Siput particularly. Um, and I, I would say we have, uh, Quite a good relationship with some of the, uh, some of the, um, individuals. Um, and, uh, but for this regime, uh, actually the situation is, uh, a bit complicated and also confusing, confusing because, um, uh, this time, because, uh, even though, uh, uh, PKR, the Justice Party, uh, uh, gain um, the, 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 I mean, I mean the opposition, um, Pakatan uh, Harapan actually mm. uh, gained the most vote as a coalition, but they actually uh, cannot form a government without the support from other coalition. So uh, this is a unity government, which also uh, Barisan National, the old regime actually part of the co- uh, the coalition and become quite a major player as uh, they were given quite a lot of uh, space um, Disproportionate uh, minister position, so I think uh, quite a lot of compromise might be done within um, within the uh, government. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, among the different parties. So uh, we are we are happy to actually um, push for the reform agenda together with uh, the government, but. Um, just the situation are quite complicating, I would say. It's not easy. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. And I guess, um, the kind of neck, um, and going around, um, going to. The kind of one other kind of issue is that recently, um, Malaysia, I guess, has been kind of hit by very kind of serious kind of floods. Um, and I guess in addition to that, I'm kind of interested in, you know, what is the kind of socialist party of Malaysia's kind of perspective of it? But more than that, in terms of these floods, how do you kind of collect contextualizing it within the kind of broader kind of climate crisis that is clearly going to impact on all facets of society? I mean, we're in, so we're in Australia right now and Australia's already very much feeling the um, impacts of the climate crisis. And of course, when you look at countries like within the global south, like Pakistan, which was um, dramatically impacted by some very serious floods. Um, yeah, I want to hear some of your kind of comments on, on some of that stuff.
2: Yeah, flood is one of the uh, very major issues in Malaysia now because uh, it's actually, we um, experience. Uh, a very major flood in 2021 so 70,000 people displaced and uh, 50 deaths is one of the most serious flood in the history um, and flood victims and uh, volunteer uh, have to take uh, take it to social media to call for aid and the co- because of the co- the very bad coordination no central communication um and the poor management actually make all the things very, very bad and is make it worse. So I would say, um, uh, it actually, um, a lot of people actually aware that, um, the climate change or the climate crisis is no longer a, a looming threat. It, we are actually, uh, facing it now. And, yeah. uh, I think this awareness, would eventually actually uh, draw more people to uh, to the uh, movement. And PSM is working very closely uh, with other organisations uh, as a coalition. So uh, we always like uh, push for the agenda uh, that the government should take serious steps to mitigate uh, the flood. At the same time, we see there is an urgent need to actually call for a system change where uh, definitely, whatever uh, mitigation policy you're going to put forward uh, is not sustainable because um, we are still uh, very much uh, depending on the current system, and the only I think the only answer is the eco-socialism, uh, where we we need to uh, dr- drastically uh, gain something. Um, uh, gain the support uh, to calling for a more radical change in the system uh, to address this issue. Yeah, we,
4: yeah that's, um, that's a great description. We certainly need to keep campaigning for, for system change. But what are some of the main campaigns of the PSM for the working class? Um,
2: actually, for uh, PSM, PSM is uh, uh, still very, um, very active in organising uh, the workers' community so uh the work, working class issue is very much uh the center of our activism so uh we are organizing um the hospital cleaners uh mm. yeah uh, uh, as a union so uh, our party leaders is actually leading the campaign to uh abolish the uh contract system because the privatization uh of the uh of the uh, cleaning service in a, a hospital is actually started uh, back in eighties uh, and nineties under the Mahathir regime. So uh, this privatization uh, basically make uh, uh, make all the workers become uh, a new workers whenever the contractor change. So uh, you can imagine they always uh, receive uh, the minimum wage. Yeah. And they was denied of a lot of uh, rights, uh, especially during the pandemic. Uh, although they were um, they were actually uh, working uh, and facing a lot of um, stress at, at the workplace, and uh, they are part of the frontliners, but they were denied uh, for a special allowance uh, for the uh, frontliners. So. Uh, this is one of the aspects that we are working uh, very uh, uh, heavily involved uh, and we are also working with um, the security guards and also cleaners in uh, school in uh, public uh, premises the government uh, government buildings and all these also contractor uh, contract workers so we are' we're hoping that can build a a movement where uh, it eventually will lead to abolish the contract system so we asked the government actually they should be uh, they should be taken uh, back as uh, uh as a uh, direct workers um for the uh, government service because they are the uh, that's their work and mm-hmm. the, the problem is the It's through another contract, uh, another contract that eventually uh, the contractor actually get a major part of the government uh, funds, uh, but not them, the working class who actually contribute, contributing uh, their energy to, 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 to this, uh, this sector. Uh, Another major uh, campaign that we have is uh, the uh, landless farmers who are actually producing our food, uh, especially uh, vegetables, so they are facing a lot of uh, evictions on the ground, and um, our PSM uh, work closely with them because we see at, um, their rights to the land uh, is denied, and we are we are continuously uh, facing a issue of overdevelopment and. Uh, all the the developer have more and more power to decide what uh, the uh, what are we what what are we heading to so this is very wrong and um yeah these are the some of the issues that we work very hard <laughs>
0: hmm. so the kind of next question um that I guess we want um we want to guess to ask is i mean what is guess commenting kind of more broadly i guess on i guess on the prospects for the socialist movement in in malaysia but maybe even making some comments about the I guess some of the global situation as well uh, cuz i guess mean one context i guess um in in malaysia versus I guess australia is the fact that you know there's obviously there's obviously malaysia has a much different kind of tradition um politically than say australia and also in in the past you know um, left movements have been severely kind of repressed um, within kind of Malaysia, which is also kind of different context in Australia. I mean, even in Australia, I mean, while you know, while there there is undoubtedly repression, it's never been we we obviously obviously have the right to openly kind of organise, etc. Um, kind of the wonders of living under a kind of liberal kind of democracy sometimes. But yeah, what are some of your kind of com- broader comments on on that?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, it's not an easy task, I would say, but, uh, I can, I can still, uh, have very high hope, I would say, because, um, because the situation actually, uh, make, uh, it, the, the system itself is not sustainable. More and more, uh, young people actually, uh, aware and, uh, starting to organize themselves, I would say uh especially the pandemic uh we see um, this uh we, the system is just uh very very um is almost collapsed. a lot of sectors are affected and people lose their job um, so i i see there is um uh, a reorganization um in many sectors and we hope that if we want to building building back back Battle uh, we need to like um, have a, a new kind of um, new kind of uh, alternatives because uh, without without an alternative all the issues actually people needs won't be f- fulfilled and uh, we are giving too much uh, to um, you know, all the uh, the upper class and uh, this is time for the uh Especially young p- people to actually organize and uh, ask asking for a, a different world. Uh, I I still see uh, very much hope because um, the the system itself eventually will make people more aware. Of course, one of the challenge uh, I think one of the challenge is um, people start to disillusion mm. <laughs> about the system and. This might make some of the people air political and feeling that they can't do anything. But I think this is, uh, we need to play active role uh, in um, organize them, educating them uh, to take uh, drastic action to towards
0: the change. Yeah. Um, do you have any, like, final comments you'd like to make? I mean, that was probably a good place to end it, but yeah, do you have any kind of final comments you'd like to say? Especially to our listeners, since you have the opportunity, um, because you're live to air right now.
2: <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm very happy to be here because, uh, especially, uh, attend, uh, the Socialist, um, Alliance, uh, National Conference, because I see a lot of similarities and, uh, those exchange are very, uh, valuable. For our movement, because uh, uh, the international solidarity are always um, yeah giving us uh, more energy, I would say uh, to me uh, back home. I, I I hope I really hope that we can uh, do more uh, in the future. We can have uh, more uh, collaboration in a lot of issues. Oh, just
4: listening to you, I, I do feel a lot more hope for the future. So thank you for, for coming and, um, yeah, inspiring all of us. So I really appreciate you being here.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, I'm just going to go, um, I'll go play a quick announcement. Um, you're listening to Green Left Radio and we're just having a good discussion with Sue Sukwa from the Socialist Party of Malaysia about politics in Malaysia and also the prospects for the socialist movement
1: in general. You're listening to Green Left Radio. If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300- Triple one five hundred. That's one three hundred Triple five hundred. Wellway supports three CR.
0: All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on three CR eight five five AM. So I thought we'd take a bit of a break um, from the program, um, and we'll play a, a bit of a song for our listeners. Um, we're going to play One True Place by Amy Saunders. Um, yeah, um, you're listening to Green Left Radio.
5: One of these days you'll be wandering Over sea and over land To a place where we can be together And although we now have parted, I do believe that those who truly love each other will meet again. And although your heart is heavy and your mind, It needs to rest even though your days are really coming to an end. Let there be no sorrow let there be no pain for there comes to you. Again. Okay. Okay. I'm still here I'm in the next room You may think It was wrong for me To leave You all alone But some things Are bigger than you be one.
0: You're listening to Green Left Radio on freeCR cr 855 AM. And I was going to pass on to Chloe because I think Chloe was going to start off a bit of a discussion.
4: Mm, is my mic on? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we've got an article here in Green Left, and it's about older women becoming the fastest-growing sector-to-seek job seeker. And there was a new report by the Parliamentary Budget Office that found that women over 60, um, you know, they're the ones that are actually, you know, it, it's it's unbelievable that they're the ones that are actually looking for jobs. Um, and many of, if you think about it, many of these women over sixty are likely to have spent their lives doing, you know, the bulk of unpaid labour like child rearing and household chores, um, you know, caring for the sick and end- elderly. Because capitalism really tr- thrives on free things. That's how it's organised on gendered lines, and it really does show the exploitation, well, the super exploitation of women. Um, and of course, the, the patriarchal family system that it, that's, it's based on. Um, and the article goes into the fact that during the initial lockdown periods, it was actually young people, particular women, who were the, the fastest growing um, sector receiving the job seeker payment. But now, um, since the lockdown ended, all the women have, you know, now become the, the, the biggest group. And successive governments have actually. You know, this is to do with successive governments raising the eligibility age to receive the age pe- pension. So the report noted that men aged 25 to 29 were the biggest demographic on job seeker back in 2001. Now women over 60 are the biggest, with men over 60 being the second highest. Um, and I guess, like... You know, there is a gender pay, ba- pay gap here in Australia. Um, You know, we've got women in the workplace. We're paid less. We're treated like second-class citizens, um, which means, you know, less savings in our superannuation. And I was, um I don't know if anyone heard in the news in France, there's these, like, workers have gone on strike and there's been these nationwide strikes. Unions um, have, you know, joined in the marches across the country. They've halted trains. They've cut electricity production. Um, and, you know, this is all because the, the Emmanuel Macron um, government is trying to propose raising the France's retirement age by two years to 64. And here in Australia, uh, you know, we, to be eligible for the age pension, you have to be over 66 years and six months in some cases well if you were born if your birth date was after january 1st 1957 you have to wait until you're 67 so it's it's much worse here and you know we really need to organize around this because it is actually women who are suffering the worst um you know they they're the ones that are actually you know they're going homeless um i don't know if you want to add anything to that jacob but um yeah it's a yeah, it's, uh, pretty frightening. I'm not looking forward to reaching the age of 60. Mm.
0: Well, I think, I mean, there's, I think a few other extra comments to kind of make, um, that in, in, in addition to, because, I mean, um, what we kind of drew on was quite a brief news article and mm. not necessarily drawing, I guess, on all the kind of political implications out of this. But, I mean, the first thing to start off with, I mean, it's, it's kind of like absolutely shameful that, you know, the rates of welfare are so low to begin with. So you, you have a situation where, you know, a lot of older women, um, and also just to, to note, it's even older men, um, who are mm-hmm. actually the second growing, growing sort of demographic. Um, but obviously because of the, um, obviously because of the issues around equal pay, um, you know, patriarchy and, and so on, um, older women are, are, um, are experiencing it much, um, experience it kind of much worse. Um, and I think there's a few sort of things to note. I mean, the fact that job seeker hasn't been meaningfully increased. I mean, there was one increase, um, and then there was a very, Good increase that happened during the COVID-19 it pandemic was doubled, um, that was um, not normalised um, for for the re- arrest that was not normalised after as soon as the pandemic ended, even though it should have been. Um, and in fact, what's also interesting I mean is they haven't also I also could and can note that they actually haven't increased job seeker this year, while Oz study and youth allowance are actually going to be increased um, this year. And of course the increase is actually pretty insignificant for both um for both odd study and youth allowance, but it does show that you know those um the unemployed are getting um the um, the work the the worst end of the stick in terms of um, in terms of welfare and then I also think probably another um factor is that the whole government's, um, for, when it comes to a lot of older women seeking job seeker, I mean, the actual reality is we should actually have a proper pension system, um, for those mm. who are over, um, for over 60. Um, although I think, I think from my understanding, you have to be a significantly a bit older to get, to get access to the pension. But even then the pension is actually very poor in terms of what, on what it pays. And you are very much reliant on, on getting a good super, but then, that's actually how it creates another problem and, and, of course, why you can note why a lot of older women are feeling the brunt um, in this is that, you know, for a lot of older women, you know, if you're dealing with the issues of equal pay, if you never had, if you had lacked access to a kind of proper job, um, if you were in uh, a partnered or long-time marriage or something and most of the time you didn't work and you relied on your your husband or whatever for the, for the breadwinner, you know, lots of women in that demographic would be very disadvantaged um, under the superannuation system because, yeah, for the superannuation system to work, uh, you need to have been working kind of permanent jobs your whole, most of your life uh, to get any sort of real kind of benefit. And in fact, probably for a lot of young people like us, actually, we're probably, because there's a lack of, that kind of permanent sort of high wage sort of jobs, um, and we're working all sorts of different sort of casual kind of jobs. Uh, and, um, yeah, m- most of us are not likely to get much good super, um, towards the end. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that, that's, there's a lot of kind of systematic kind of factors happening in the kind of background that actually con- are contributing to, guess, to this crisis.
4: Yeah, and also domestic violence is another, another factor as well. I think I forgot to mention.
0: Yeah. Um, now just another short news story I want to kind of draw on from the pages of Green Left is, um, basically I think this is, this is, um, a bit of a protest that we've been reporting on. I'm just getting, getting it kind of up kind of now. But basically there is, um, there's, I guess, an ongoing, um, protest, um, against, uh, against logging in the Bolga State Forest, which I think takes place, um, take place, um, take place Takes place west of Port Macquarie in New and New South Wales, and they have basically a fifty-person blockade has been has been organised um, to stop industrial machinery from accessing the native forests. Now, but many of the but the police, um, but the state in its sort of classic fashion is actually actively kind of repressing these protests, and so one of the forest blockaders have has actually kind of um, has actually been arrested, and. Yeah i think you know the the fact that you know this is kind of like clearly like it's an ongoing issue around the ongo- country um where you know comp- um, where there's lots of um unsustainable logging happening of of many of our kind of state forests and while environmental activists are speaking up many of them face repression from 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 the state including in in parts such as melbourne but yeah um i'll probably let for this um, so I'll just let the I'll just direct um comrade uh, I'll direct listeners that you can go on to looking into Save Bulga Forest. You can get more information on their kind of campaign website, especially in terms of giving support to this movement. And yeah, and you can read um we can read some of the um the news articles that we have um some of the reporting that we've done on in GreenLeft.org.au. Okay. Well, I thought might be might be a good time to play another song, so I'll just play a quick announcement and then we'll play We Have Survived, No Fix Address. You're listening to Green Left Radio. Call us
5: on 9419 8377 or visit 3CR.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent.
2: join us at midday
5: on friday the 20th of january for the tanaminuai and morborhina commemoration at the corner of franklin street and victoria street in melbourne at the tanaminuai and morborhina monument it's a 2 hour ceremony begins at midday the first hour is broadcast live on community radio 3cr we have a bevy of interesting guest speakers At 1pm, we will walk silently to what we believe is their burial site in the Queen Victoria markets. I encourage you to bring your children and friends to commemorate the hanging of Tanaminue and Melborhina for actively resisting the colonisation process. See you there.
4: You're back with Green Left Radio on 3CR 855. And we're going to go into the activist calendar now. But before we do, I just wanted to remind listeners that, I don't know if we announced at the beginning of the show, but we're going to be interviewing at 810 climate activist Violet Coco. Uh, Some of you might remember that she was sentenced by the Supreme Court to 15 months prison on December 2nd for blockading vehicles. So we're really looking forward to having her on the show. And now for the activist calendar. On Friday, January the 20th, we've got Tanaminoway and Malaboyina commemoration at 12 o'clock on the corner of Franklin and Bowen streets in the city. And, you know, most of you would know what, what that, what that's about, but it's, you know, just quickly, it's about two indigenous freedom fighters and they were the first men to be executed in Victoria for resisting the British colonization of their lands and destruction of people. And their way of life. And there is an open mic at that. So, you know, it'd be good if uh, some of you were there, uh, you know, um, air your views, show your support. And then there'll be like a silent march after that. Then we have on Thursday, January the 26th, uh, we've got protest uh, for Invasion Day that's going to start at 11 a.m., on the Steps of Parliament, on string string, Spring seat, um, Street in the City. That's hard to say. And then there's a film screening you can go to. It's called You Can Go Now. It's screening at Cinema, Cinema, Cinema Nova, 380 Ligon Street in Carlton. And then Friday, January 27th to Sunday, January the 29th, there's a Palestine there's a Palestine Solidarity Conference, and that's going to be taking place at Trades Hall 54 Victoria Street, Carlton South. Sunday, February the 5th, we've got Pride March, it's going to be at 9 am Fitzroy in St Kilda. And on Tuesday, February the 7th, we've got a film screening, Our Islands, Our Home, at 6 pm, 75 Reed Street in Fitzroy. And then on Friday, February the 10th, we've got film screening Behrouz. It's called Behrouz, and it's at 7 p.m. at Cinema 1 Level 2 ACMI at Federation Square in the city. I'll be away for this film, so I'm, I'm disappointed that I'm going to be missing it, but it's a you know, I don't really need to encourage people to be there because it's probably, tickets are probably going to get sold out, but it's a featured documentary telling the story of Beres Bichani, who's a Kurdish journalist who fled the Iranian regime seeking asylum in Australia um, back in 2013. Um, and, yeah, that'll be a, a good one to go to. It's, um, you know, it's all about how he was transferred from Manus Island Detention Centre after a month Um uh, a month after his arrival on Australian shores by boat, and Beirut spent six years in detention. And he reports uh, and you know writes from Manus Island using uh, a smuggled mobile phone, and that really brought it to, like international notice to the horrific reality of life for detainees. And I think that's the end of the calendar. Unless you have any other announcements or anything else that's that's not there, Jacob.
0: Well. um Probably, um, I, I was actually just quickly checking, um, just quickly checking, um, Facebook and all that to see if there mm. was any sort of upcoming protests. And right now at this point, um, I don't have any kind of made announcements to make other than the Sunday before, before Easter is going to be the walk for justice for refugees. So that's mm. one rally that's been planned. And of course that's planned every year, but it's called yeah. the
4: Palm, it's usually called the Palm Sunday. Right? Yeah.
0: Palm Sunday walk for justice for refugees. So mm. that's going to be happening on the, Sunday before Easter, I th- I'm pretty sure at 2pm at the state library, as far as I remember. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's going to be a big, I think that's going to, I think that's going to be, I guess, an important kind of mobilization, um, to kind of mark. Um, and I think, yeah, we will, be, it will be definitely good. And I know there will probably be some anti-war, um, protests and a client protest in March. So yeah. we'll get more details about that. As we progress, um, as we progress through the week, um, but I guess yeah, I want to probably, maybe I'll, I'll use, I guess, I'll use a bit of a kind of opportunity um, just to make a, few, a bit of um, some announcements about um, Green Left. Um, so yeah, Green Left is obviously this is um, Green Left is the affiliate of um, of. Of, um, great, um, Green Left Radio. Um, in Green Left Radio, you know, we attempt to kind of present, um, news and, and analysis that's actually drawn from the pages of Green Left. And both me and myself, uh, both me and Chloe, <laughs> yeah. sorry, both me and <laughs> Chloe are, are, regular writers me, for, and I. um, for, for, Green Left. Um, so I just want to kind of make a bit of plug. I mean, one big change for Green Left, um, this year is that it is actually going to be going, um, fortnightly. Um, So the first issue has actually come out this year. But in our kind of move to kind of fortnight, that is basically so we can actually... Well, Green Left is still going to be a weekly sort of publication in a sense that we'll have... Well, a daily publication in a sense that we'll have... You know, we're always having articles put up online. We're going to try and attempt to... We're going to always attempt to cover all the kind of protests. We're also going to be presenting kind of political analysis of international politics and local politics that you don't actually get... Um, in the kind of mainstream media because I'm because I'm, essentially because green left is a is a publication that's actually dedicated to supporting the struggles of the oppressed um and that and that of the ninety nine percent against the one percent the rich and powerful so we you know we're always intending to be a platform for for any sort of campaigns, but at the same time coming into the new year you know we we do need your financial support we actually rely on the generous support of um, donations uh, of the donations that we the sport financial support we get from our supporters and yeah if you if you like the work that we're doing on on Green Left um if you're listening right now I'd like to encourage you to take out a sponsorship if you support Green Left you can become a supporter by going to the website greenleft.org.au forward slash support um but yeah I mean Chloe given it's our first program do you have any sort of thing to say on you know the importance I guess of Green Left and what we're going to be trying to do for like the next the next year
4: yeah well we've got you know we, we const- we're constantly having fundraisers to help raise money to to keep green left going so um i would you know keep listening out for those um you know sometimes we have public meetings all of the money that we raise um you know we sometimes we have the green left comedy debate that'll be going ahead this year um you know, these are all things that people can, can come to and, and, um, you know, help, help this 32 media project stay alive. It's, it's, you know, it's independent of corporate interests. It's completely run by ordinary people. Um, and if you, you know, like to see us, well, if you want to help us keep the lights on, um, and, you know, make sure that progressive alternative voices are, you know, are continuing to stand up for, the ninety nine percent, you know, against the the, the greedy one percent rich.
0: Okay. Um well um I'm just gonna go play a quick announcement and we'll probably go into our into our next interview for the program with Violent Coco. You're listening to Green Left Radio on freeCR 855 AM
3: they Tell us what to do and then they push us around And then they have the goal to go and rip off
0: the ground Join 3CR from 9am to 4pm on Thursday the 26th of January for our annual Invasion Day broadcast.
2: 3CR's First Nation presenters will be broadcasting live from the Stop the War, Treaty Before Voice rally and march in Melbourne. We'll be bringing you black and deadly music, news and views from activists across the continent with a grassroots politics that you won't find anywhere else as we discuss genocide, sovereignty, treaty, pay the rent, death in custody, truth and justice, and the law of the land.
1: So keep tuned, FreeCR, on Thursday, the 26th of January, 2023.
0: Okay, hey, you're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. And we're very really happy to be joined by um, a, a special guest. Um, we have um, Violet Coco, um, who is part of um, both Extinction Rebellion and Blockade Australia and is currently... Um, um, and currently based in Sydney. Um, probably many of our, li- many of our listeners would be familiar with Violet from last year, um, because Violet was, um, imprisoned, um, as a result of her involvement in climate activism, including being part of a, of a, a blockade. Now, she was, um, she was initially kind of, de- um, denied bail and she currently has an appeal in March in New South Wales in regards to her case. But for the purpose of this program, we won't be discussing, um, anything related to her case um, due to kind of legal reasons. And I guess we want to sort of have Violet on to the program to actually to kind of discuss the kind of importance, I guess, of client activism and also the nature, I guess, of the climate crisis that we're in. Um, so good morning, Violet.
6: Hi. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Um, now, I guess um, this... Um, so, Violet, this is like our kind of first kind of program in 2023, um, first, um, because we've been on on break for the past. And I guess... We're, we, we're in a new year and, um, and it's, (laughs) it's kind of very unfortunate, but basically the climate crisis very much shows no sign of letting up. In fact, I expect things are probably going to get worse. Um, you know, we've already experienced a lot of, we experienced a lot of things last year and I think there's, you know, in terms of the kind of climate crisis, I think there's going to be, there's going to be kind of more events kind of happening. And, um, I guess, you know, I want to kind of hear, I guess, some of your kind of comments. I mean, based on your kind of involvement in climate activists, you know, why do you think that we need kind of radical action to resist this crisis? And I guess, why are our governments consistently failing to address the question?
6: Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, as you say, we, we are probably looking at another year of climate, further experiencing further climate breakdown, um we're supposed to be moving into an El Nino this year so we've been in a La Nina which is the wet season normally there's a break year between those two but from climate breakdown our, our climate is becoming more erratic we're seeing more extremes and so uh yeah we're looking at moving into El Nino which is the fire season hot and uh Um, By the way, it wasn't Blockade Australia that my action was for. It was what we call Fireproof Australia, which is um, a movement reaching out to uh, get support for firefighters to make sure that they have the tools that they need um, to protect us. Currently, they don't. They're calling out for for all these tools. Um, We used to share our sovereign aerial firefighting fleet with the Northern Hemisphere but because these fire seasons are extending in the north and the south we can't actually get those planes from the north anymore and so it's important that we have our own tools and that our firefighters are supported and um especially with the Nino coming up and so um yeah i mean why aren't we getting action on climate you ask well um i i believe that you know our current system of government is um is sort of is failing us there's uh There's people trying to do good things, for sure, but uh, we've known about the climate and ecological emergency for decades and they've known how bad it is for decades. My mum turned to me the other day, she's just sort of catching up with all of this and she said... (laughs) COP27, does that mean that they've known for 27 years that this is a big enough issue, that they need an international gathering? <laughs> and I said, yes, Mum. <laughs> this is why we are pushed into doing these protests and, and trying to draw attention to this climate and ecological emergency because we are being failed so, so immensely. And um, and so you have you have movements like Extinction Rebellion, which is the, the first movement that I got involved with, when you know trying to make this change, and um, and that's because they really address this, this fundamental problem in our democracy um, that that is happening that's that's stopping the shift, um, and, that, and they do that with their third demand, which is to. In- they are, they're demanding to install a citizens' assembly, which is a, um, it's kind of works like jury duty, and it's moving away from this party system where, you know, these two parties are trying to fight over each other to get re-elected. It's, it becomes about more than the issue. Whereas with citizens' assemblies, it's like a jury duty. People come in, they, are, they set a task to, to, to um, solve the problem together and they're facilitated through, um, you know, learning the science about a particular issue um, and then they break out and they talk about it and they come back together. It's a really beautiful format. We've held um, 12 of them in Australia so far. They've been used around the world in really highly contentious issues and people always come out with this really out-of-the-box, fantastic thinking from this format. A lot of corporations use it. I don't know. And so this sort of format, and so um, yeah, so y- you know, that's maybe is that is that answering your question? From there, do you want
0: to? Oh yeah, no, no. That? I think, that, think I think you've given a good <laughs> kind of good, good, good kind of answer. And I guess probably maybe, I mean, one thing I think will probably um, one thing I'm interested in sort of hearing is, um, from you, I guess, is. I mean, what have, what are some of the I guess, some of the influences, I guess, some of the things that I guess are driving some of your climate activism, especially, and even maybe, um, commenting a bit on, you know, because, um, probably in terms of the introduction to you, I didn't, I guess, I didn't get to mention, um, I sort of wasn't briefed enough on the, on your involvement in Fireproof Australia. And I guess maybe, what is some of I guess, talk about some of the climate, talking about, I guess, some of your influences, but then also talking about some of the climate activism that will be um, that will be planned in 2023 from some of the groups that you might be involved in, um, such as Extinction Rebellion and Blockade Australia and Fireproof Astra- uh, Australia?
6: Yeah. Um, so uh, it depends on where you are around the country. Obviously, there's a, where the climate movement is quite decentralised. And honestly, the the best thing that you can do if you want to get involved with the climate movement is to engage in a local group, um, organize locally. There'll be people locally organizing and, or or if there's not, then, then starting up a local group and Beginning to make your community connections. So for me, you know, the only reason that I can engage in activism in the way that I do is because I have a team of people. It's not just me. I'm supported. I'm one limb of a, of a community that does what we do together. And so, you know, to, to be involved moving forward this year, you really want to be connecting with that local community and, and it can be very difficult, obviously, working with people, working with volunteers. Like I'm not downplaying that at all. Um, but but this this is how we gain momentum together. Is that that it starts with the your local roots, and then um, you know if you're talking about what's important around the country, um, I think you know in Canberra there's um, February seven um, that is where there's going to be some sitting week. Action um, to to engage the polys, Um but uh, yeah. For any more sort of more specific dates on different movements, the best thing you can do is is sort of engage locally and then and find out through those networks.
0: Okay, um, and Violet, I guess I mean what. Um Can you, I guess, do you have, I guess, any kind of final comments, I guess, you'd like to make? And I guess any sort of expiring words that you kind of want to pass on to listeners in terms of, you know, fighting for against um, resisting the client crisis in 2023?
6: Oh, yes. So, I mean, it's so important that we have courage right now. Um, What we're dealing with is the collapse of our livable planet. I mean, we really have to face that within ourselves and ask what is the appropriate response when it comes to facing that climate and ecological emergency? What What does it mean to us to avert that? And I personally have engaged in a lot of research in terms of how to um, create fast social change, because that's what we've got to do. We've got to change society. And so uh, a really, really important part of that, um story is is activism is protest it's one of the most powerful ways of shaping world politics many world leaders feel trapped i've had politicians come up to me and and thank me for what i was doing and they say we need you to be a little bit louder so we can push things through these are the people that are of course really trying in a broken system and so you know what we do is so important and i think Um, Yeah, my outcry to you, to to the people listening, would just be to think about what the appropriate response is. I mean, we know that nonviolence is is super important um, strategically to to be effective um, and and also, you know, nonviolent protest. So, uh, yeah, I I think um, courage and uh, and connection with community and thinking about what the appropriate response is in in the face of of, uh, such such a huge issue.
0: All right. well, thank you very much, um, um, Violet, and I guess um, FreeCR and Green Left would also like to extend all the solidarity towards you, um, especially in terms um, of your case. Um, and of course, we'll be also following um, developments on it as it as it go as it comes along in in the media and and from reports from from activists on the ground. Um, so yes, yeah, thanks again, um, Violet, for being on our, on our program. And yeah, I definitely want to kind of echo the message that you know, in the face of climate catastrophe, I think it's going to be very important that we get we need more and more people involved in climate activism. We need more people resisting the kind of injustice of our system, um, the fact that the government is continuously to push, you know, coal mines, burn fossil fuels. We need to be a kind of opposing kind of all that. And, um, yeah, and all the solidarity to you, Violet. Oh,
6: thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing to draw attention to it as well. It's really, really important.
0: Yeah. All right, thanks again, Violet.
6: Okay.
0: Bye. We're just speaking to um, Violet Coco, um, a climate activist based in Sydney. Um, and also, many would know as has was imprisoned as a result of her client movement in, um, in, in involvement in client activism. Um, and she currently has an appeal in March in New South Wales in regards to her case, and but and yeah, we'll be following the kind of developments of that. But obviously, we won't be dis- um, we can't discuss any kind of particularities of that case at this point. Um, so yeah, I'll just go play a quick announcement, and we might just go end the program with just a bit of a reflection on. Probably how everyone, how we've been for uh, over the holidays. Um, You're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM.
5: We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel. It's the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital, and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au.
4: You're back listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 on your dial. And I guess we've we've got a few extra minutes left in the program. We just thought we would just have a relaxed chat, um, you know, because we it's our first time back in the studio for a few weeks. And I guess we've been on a little bit of a break, Jacob. Um, and I hope people listening as well got a chance to spend some time doing Things they love, or maybe you're a student and you found some holiday work. Lots of those casual jobs are underpaid, so you know maybe you had to fight for um, the wage you're entitled to. Um, But you know maybe you're retired or not religiously tied to the Christmas period. But you know I, I personally spent more time with, you know, got to spend more time with family, and I started watching. um, Jacob Jacob recommended that I watch Star Wars and/or, um, which is this American. I think it's a science fiction action adventure series. Um, and it's actually very political. I haven't finished it, but it just shows how authoritarianism is, um, you know, of an empire is connected to capitalism and, that, you know, makes, makes the galactic economy run. Um, and it's, you know, how capitalism supports oppressive systems and makes life really difficult for everyone trying to live independently, um, from those oppressive structures. Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know, I, I think you finished the, without giving away any spoilers, Jacob, have you, um, and you, and yeah, we also went and saw a movie called The Triangle of, of Sadness. Maybe we can, we can talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Well, to talk about, um, both things, um, mm. so actually, actually, um, over the holidays, that's actually both, um, both things, um, I can, cons- um, both things I watched over the, ho- although I did recommend Triangle of Sadness earlier because I did see it, um, um, at one of the film festivals, um, mm. earlier last year. Now, yeah, just to talk about Andor. Now Andor I mean, probably a lot of our listeners are probably f- a bit familiar with the story of Star Wars, but basically Andor essentially takes place um as a bit of a prequel to A New Hope. Um it basically ca- um depicts the kind of the development of the rebellion, um against the against the kind of galactic empire. And now probably one just a sure comment I sort of make. I mean, the series is not necessarily directly about capitalism as such, because mm. um one yeah, Many of our listeners, um, people would know, Star Wars takes place in a galaxy far, far away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it does depict the dynamics of a political system that very much has a lot in common with mm-hmm. with our the capitalist system we live under. And I think, yeah, there's a lot to praise about um, Andor's sort of depiction of politics. And I guess a few kind of important things to highlight about it. I think Andor is quite good in demonstrating that when it comes to kind of building a kind of resistance to a kind of oppressive um, system and to oppressive kind of dictatorship or Mm. authoritative force, which is in this case the Galactic Empire, it does show that, you know, the the importance of politics – And in a sense, the resistance as they are kind of depicted in, in Star Wars, Star Wars and or, you know, they have to deal with the political, um, with political discussions. They have to deal with divisions, um, on how they, um, how they can, how they achieve things. And of course, those sort of dynamics are very much important to kind of every kind of revolutionary struggle or change. And I think historically, um, interesting enough, I think the series has a lot of, depicts a lot of parallels with, uh, the irish um the irish republican um struggle against uh, against the british and so I think yeah there 's definitely a lot to kind of praise and I think it 's just in general a well done science fiction action kind of series um initially, I was actually skeptical about watching it because um you know yeah it's it is uh, you know Disney is probably one of the worst in terms of you know they just mm. um they just sort of shove out a lot of commercial kind of television that doesn 't really have much artistic quality to it um But I'll have to say, Andor definitely doesn't fit that bill. It actually, it's a very creative, um, adaption, um, and, um, of, of the Star Wars universe. And I definitely recommend, I definitely recommend it, it as a series that, you know, anyone could watch, even if you're not necessarily a big fan of Star Wars. Um, even my partner, who's not really a huge Star Wars fan, really loved it. Mm. Um, and so I think that there's quite a lot to enjoy if you're looking for a good sort of science fiction for a series. So. Yeah, definitely highly recommend it. Now, we are actually getting into the kind of end of our program. Um, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in this week. Um, it's good to be kind of back. Um, and yeah, we'll, I'll, I we will be uploading the podcast of this program so you can kind of listen back, um, to it again. Um, and yeah, I definitely want to just re-repeat, you know, it's going to be very important that you attend the Invasion Day protest next Thursday, uh, especially since last year in Melbourne, we didn't actually have an Invasion Day protest. So this year, I think it's going to be quite important. I think I expect the protest will be quite big mm. um, and we will hopefully have re- um, very um, good numbers. So, yeah, we want it to be as big of a mobilisation as possible. And, yeah, it's going to be at 11 a.m. outside the Parliament House next Thursday. But, yeah, um, Chloe, do you have any final comments you want to say?
4: Yeah, just um I'm I'm sad to be missing out on that on that protest. Probably the one of the most important protests of the year, but I'll be away for a few weeks um in Spain. So I'll see I'll yeah, I'll be back in in three weeks and I hope people enjoyed listening to this program.
0: All right. You're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR eight five five AM
2: This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday morning breakfast with Green Left Radio. Brought to you by Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which brings an alternative source of information that puts people and planet before profit.
0: If you like our work, become a supporter from $5 per month at greenleft.org.au slash support or free call 1-800-634-206.
3: Arise, you workers, from the slumbers. Arise, you prisoners of want. For reason in revolt now thunders and it last since the age of Kant. Away with all your superstitions. Serve all masses. Arise. We'll change henceforth the old tradition and spurn the dust to win the prize. That's right, the commies are back. Reds underneath your beds and that like crap.